Hey, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Whoa, this section. You guys need to keep that up. That's good. <laughs> all right. It's good to see you all. And uh, if you're online, thanks for joining us. Glad you were here. Uh, my name is Steve, like Rick said. Uh, so if we've never met before, we'd love to meet. I'll be hanging out in the cafe afterwards. And I get to help out with leading our Give It Away ministries here at Medina East, which is all about missions and stuff. So I'm excited because I got I to gotta calm down because we're going to talk about all that in a second here, okay? So just a, a, pre, a pre-warning that we're going to get in some giveaway stuff today. But uh, to get us there, we're going to talk about a value that we have at our church because we are in this series called We, okay? Everyone say We. Okay, that actually worked. Great. Okay, so uh, we're in this series. We've been talking about what do we as Grace Church value? What do we think is really important? What are some things that we should really be focusing on as a church, as uh, ministries, as all those things? What has God called us to do? And so we're going to look at these different values. And so uh, we have plenty of them here. You can see on the screen, on the board. And uh, we actually did this series uh, a little while back. We did half of them. We're back again doing the other half. And so if you want to catch up on some of those, uh, you can do that online. It's all free. You can see it all on our website. So I would encourage you to do that. But basically, if you've been wondering or interested in what is Grace Church doing and why are they doing it, go to intro, okay? So there's another uh, shameless plug for intro, like Rick said, but also following on this series. So that's good. You're doing it. We're here. This is great. We're in person and I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, to get us started then, I am going to pose a question, okay? This isn't an icebreaker, okay? I don't do icebreakers, all right? I have my, when, I, when I'm at my life group, if you're a part of my life, anyone part of my life group here, you know that like, hey, okay, you know that I don't like icebreakers, but I do them anyways, and I'm in denial. So here's an icebreaker. There you go. Um, that's what you can expect at a life group, all kinds of weird stuff. So there you go. All right, here's this question. Have you ever come to the realization that someone was doing something similar as you? Okay, just think about that for a second. You're like, whatever it could be, you're doing something, maybe it's something at uh, your job at work or at school, and you're like working on something, and you see someone else doing something similar. Maybe you're like trying to start a business, and you're like, oh man, someone else is doing something similar and all that, and you see that happening. What do you do? How do you typically respond to situations like that? Whether they're doing it better than you or worse than you, how do you respond? Well, I gave a couple examples, okay? Do you, or responses, do you do nothing? You're like, oh, that's cool, okay. All right, they're doing that, that's great. Do nothing, you're like, non, you know, non-confrontational, like, whatever. Do you like, hey, I should team up with those people. We should like, we should team up. We should do this thing together, okay, whatever the thing is, right? Or are you the one who's like, I'm gonna sabotage this whole thing. Like, I'm gonna do it better, and I'm gonna sabotage, okay? <laughs> you're not supposed to raise your hand. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's awesome, I love you. All right, so, um, Take Amazon, for example, okay? So I'm kind of a tech guy. I like listening to tech news and things like that. And so if you didn't know that about me, now you do, because that's what you needed to know. But anyways, um, Amazon, their company, if you haven't heard, and uh, they sell product online. A while back, they started something called Amazon Basics. And so it's brilliant. They presumably are able to kind of like collect all this product data from things that are sold from within their platform, and they can see what's selling well, what's not selling well. So the question is, how does Amazon respond, okay? What do they do with this data? Do they do nothing about it? Do they team up with people and and work together on products? Or do they sabotage the whole thing? And so this is like a big debate in in tech right now in Congress, and not just with Amazon, but other companies as well. Like, are they able to, are they gathering this data so that they can make their own product and undercut the, the competition, right? So that kind of thing. If that's too much nerd stuff for you and that's unrelatable, here's another example. 
and it's about my kids, which now that I think of it, you might not know my kids, so that might not be relatable either, but I have three kids. I have uh, Emery, who is six, Isaiah, who is four, and um, Isley, who's about to be three in a couple weeks, so she's cute. That's good. And mostly with my boys, there's, this ex- there's plenty of examples, but here's an example for you. Let's take Legos, okay? So my boys are playing with Legos. They're each working on their own thing, their own little section. What happens when they look at each other? Uh, some things could happen. This, the thing I want to happen sometimes is like nothing. They're just like, oh, cool, okay, great, great. You're building that thing, I'm building my own thing, whatever. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes what I really want to happen is that they'll team up. And this is, this is like Instagram. My, my wife posts pictures of Instagram when this happens, right? The, not, not when this other stuff happens, but when the team up happens, you'll get the Instagram photos like, oh, man, they're building this awesome whatever thing together. It's great. But let's be honest, most of the time it's sabotage. Most of the time it's like Emery saying like, oh, hey, what are you making? Like, oh, I'm making this other thing better than your thing. And it's like, I'm going to destroy your thing. Okay, so that's, that's what happens, all right? So why do I bring this up? Because it's kind of funny. But also because comp- this, this idea of like competition, this idea of like this us versus them mentality is all over the place. It's everywhere. It's, uh, it's in the Bible. It's no stranger to the Bible. It's uh, in people. It's in churches and organizations. It's all over the place. Okay, so think about that. We're going to get into Mark chapter 9. So if you do have a Bible, please go get it out and go, go to Mark 9 with me. We're going to be in Mark 9, verse 38 to 41. As you're turning there, we're going to hear about an interesting story, okay? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. We're going to hear some things. Maybe this is a story that you've passed over before. Maybe you haven't uh, put too much thought to this before, but we're going to get into it. And there's a helpful backstory, too. So while you're turning there, while you're getting to Mark 9, I'm going to get into a little bit of backstory for you, and I'm just going to summarize it. The story is actually found in Luke 9 as well, but I'm going to kind of bring you up to speed from the beginning of Luke 9 up to this passage Here's what happens. The disciples, they're hanging out with Jesus, doing Jesus' ministry stuff. The the disciples are off on their own. They get confronted by this father who's like, hey, guys, you guys are the disciples of Jesus. Like, hey, my son, I need you to cast a demon out of him. So this is the interesting parts, right? And so he's like, cast this demon out of my son. The disciples try, and they can't. They can't do it. And so the father, probably like frustrated, is like, well, I'm going to go find Jesus then. Who can do it? And so he finds Jesus. He casts the demons out. But first he's like, he says to his disciples, he kind of rebukes his disciples. He says, oh, faithless generation, what's going on? And then he says, all things are possible for those that believe. All things are possible for those that believe. So this should, you should be able to do this. And then after that, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. So he's kind of revealing again. This is the second time that he has predicted his death and resurrection. He's like, guys, uh, it's about me, and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die. I'm going to raise again. Pay attention to that. And then, and so Mark is kind of this gospel that's like, boom, 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 the events just happen. So then the disciples, they thought it would be a good time to talk about which one of them is the greatest, okay? And so Jesus, of course, rebukes them again in front of a child, nonetheless, and says, whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So you see this regression that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples something. They're not catching something. And then we get to our passage here in Mark 9, verse 38. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, 
For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Okay, so back to that initial question, back to that initial not icebreaker. How do you think the disciples are responding to this, to this guy driving out demons? Is John like, oh, nothing? We know that's not true. Is he trying to team up with this guy? No. Sabotage. He's like, I'm going to go back to Jesus, and I'm going to tell Jesus what's going on here, and that's a bad thing you're doing. It kind of feels like that. It kind of feels like John is like whining to Jesus, saying, oh, hey, we saw some rogue nobody like doing the work that only you can do and only your people should be able to do. Do something about this. <laughs> Remember, they just try, they, the disciples just tried casting a demon out. They were unsuccessful, got rebuked for it. All this stuff happened. And now they see somebody else that's not part of their like, inner circle doing it. So now John thinks, we got a problem. We need to tell Jesus. And so, that's interesting. Even after this passage, by the way, uh, we see that uh, Jesus is um, asked from the disciples. Uh, they were in this town trying to share the gospel, and they, say, and, and they weren't really feeling the gospel. They were like not caring about the message. And so the disciples were like, Jesus, if you want, we could just pray right now and call fire down from heaven and destroy these people that aren't listening to your message. Jesus is like, dude, chill. <laughs> like, no, you still don't get it. You, you guys are so focused on other people doing stuff and, like, and other people that aren't part of your like, inner circle, and it's a problem. We're, this, is, this is about something way bigger than this inner circle kind of thing. See, the disciples, they continually get lost in their own, like, I don't know, maybe click mentality, their own identity, and they're misunderstanding the gospel. And the way that Jesus' kingdom works in partnership with others that are also doing Jesus' will. They, they've been kind of wrapping up their identity in themselves and their status and failing to see Jesus' mission as priority. Failing to celebrate when other people are following after Jesus and doing his will and his things. So let's go back to this and emphasize a few things. Because we see Jesus' response. It's really important. He says, do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. And so what the disciples needed to hear is that if someone can perform a miracle, an actual miracle in Jesus' name, they're not your enemy. They're, they're not your enemy. And I say actual miracle because in Jesus' day and in our day today, there are, there, there are like fake or phony miracles. There are fake followers of Jesus. There are fake ministries and fake people going after their own selfish gain and things like that. So I don't think it's saying that we shouldn't be watchful of other ministries and other people and other things happening. But what it's saying is that the disciples, they struggled with something. They struggled with seeing Jesus' mission more fully and being okay with other people fulfilling Jesus' mission, even if they couldn't do it themselves. They must have had some kind of jealousy and self-righteousness to have this kind of response. So something to note about us and even this series and this we series when, it's, when we say that this is the we series, this is definitely not what we mean, right? It's not, hey, look at us. Be part of our status, part of our, like, it, it's not like we versus them mentality. We don't want to produce that, okay? It's nothing to do with that. And we have to fight that mentality, even when we call something the we series. It can be easy to get caught up in. 
And then at the end, Jesus just keeps going. He says, for whoever is not against us is for us. Let me teach you this again. Whoever is not against us is for us. Jesus is saying, in general, if someone isn't blatantly working against you, then they might just be for you. <laughs> Remember the backstory we just talked about. Jesus is continually trying to teach his disciples about something that they kept getting lost and misunderstood in. And then verse 41 again, truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. So there's kind of a cultural piece we gotta pick up here. Um, it was a basic human kind of hospitality gesture in their time of providing water for somebody, okay? And so Jesus is saying, like, that's a basic thing. You guys know this base, basic cultural thing. You just offer water to people in need. And so he's saying, blessed are those that offer basic hospitality to those doing God's work, the work of Jesus, and that stuff is not gonna go unnoticed, the disciples, they didn't grasp even this normal hospitality remark because they were just so focused on themselves and what they were doing versus what these other people were doing. Okay, so what's the point? The point is that we, and this is why we have this value, we should, see, should actively seek ministry partnerships. We should seek that. We, when we see others doing something similar, we should team up. We want to be part of that. People are doing something that maybe we as a church can't do and they're preaching the gospel, they're sharing the good news, they're helping people with whatever, we should team up. We should be part of that. Because Jesus, he's not just commissioning his immediate followers, he's commissioning others, others that would follow after him to do his work. There's not one elitist group of churches, elitist group of organizations that does it all right. We need each other. We need diverse organizations and churches to work together. Just like our value from last week, we have no spare parts. So all that follow after Jesus have been given not only permission, but the ability to do Jesus' work. So when we have a series called We, let's just talk about what we're not saying again. We're not saying that we have it all right, that we have it all together, that we are the ones that know better, that we have all the answers and experience, and you should only do what we are doing. It's not what we're saying. In fact, like I said, we need others. In fact, this is exactly why we have this value. So here's the value. It's we actively seek ministry partnerships. So let's read this, ready? We work purposefully to maximize impact for God's kingdom through strategic partners. Grace Church cannot go it alone, and we will leverage strengths of diverse organizations and churches to pursue the movement to, go, to which God has called us. Okay, so that, that's what we're about. That is a huge value for us. We're gonna work purposefully because we know that we cannot do this alone, so we're gonna maximize our impact in the community and in the world for God's kingdom through strategic partners. And those partners we're gonna talk about the rest of the time here in a second. We know we can't go it alone. We're gonna leverage strengths. We know we don't have all the strengths here. We have some weaknesses as a church, so we're gonna leverage strengths of diverse organizations, and it's for the movement of God. It's about the kingdom of God not just about Grace Church. It's about partnership with others, not an elitist mentality. It's about diverse organizations, not ones that just fully align with us and what we're trying to do. And it's about partnering with other churches and ministries to make an impact in our community and in our world. We're not the only ones that have this value either. And so there's some other great ministries that have the similar value. Uh, if you go to advancemovement.org, it's a church planning movement. And I just love what they have to say and they bring some more scriptures into it. They say this, 
In the past, partnership happened between individuals and churches and churches and churches. They helped each other out in terms of doctrine and practice. They relocated leaders to strengthen other situations. They sent individuals and teams on short-term strengthening visits like we do at Go Teams. Uh, they sent money to help each other and bless the wider society. And they helped advance the gospel together and plant churches. It's just what they did. This is what the church does. We seek partnerships in these things because it's not just one church. <laughs> All right, uh, Crew. Maybe some of you have heard about Crew, awesome ministry. They say this, that no single person, church, or ministry has all of the perspective, strategies, or resources that are needed to fulfill God's great commission. We are arrogant to think otherwise. As you live out the one another verses of scripture, encouraging, giving, collaborating with partners in a spirit of genuine biblical humility, God can accomplish more than you could ever dream possible. He can accomplish so much when we're not just having an us versus them mentality, when we're partnering with other people in the gospel. Okay, so what does this value look like in practice, in, in reality, for our church, for our life groups, for our families and individuals? Well, let me just spend the rest of the time here uh, with kind of like a huge shameless plug uh, for the ministry area that I get to help lead and um, have the opportunity to do that. And so that's give it away. Like I told you guys, like the rest of the time, it's just, uh, we're talking about give it away. You guys ready for that? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, that was like a pause. Like, yeah, I think so. Let's do it. Okay. So in fact, this value, um, this value even is going to show up in this Here We Go uh, campaign that we've been through. Um, oh, here's the value again for emphasis. So there we go. Um, the Here We Go campaign. Everyone remember we were in this Here We Go thing before we had to like stay home and all that? And so we've been in this campaign. If you are new around here, if you haven't heard of this campaign before, we started this at the, towards the beginning of the year. We're like, hey, we wanna be super focused on the next generation and we wanna be super focused on a couple of different things. And so there's big, four big things that we're focused on. And um, to emphasize this point again, I'm gonna be talking about the outreach portion because I said this is gonna be give it away time. So this could be better said, here we go. Steve's talking about missions again. All right, so that's what's going down. And so here we go. The four big goals. Number one was campusing. And so if you didn't know, we have this, uh, uh, this vision of planning 30 churches in uh, 30 years. And so if you didn't know this, we are a multi-campus structure. This isn't the only campus in our cluster. We have about eight other campuses from uh, Northeast Ohio to Atlanta and I think South, one of the Carolinas, I think. There's like a new one. Someone knows, they just said it, I think. But uh, we do campusing, and so instead of like building our church up, we're gonna build our people out and reach other neighbors and communities for the gospel. Two, children and students. Turns out we have a lot of those, and that's a big priority and a big deal. And so we wanna be about helping make sure that we can continue to foster uh, disciple-making in our families and with our students and our children. Number three, developing leadership, okay? We need more of God's people to raise up and do the things of God and to help us build more churches and uh, build into these leaders. And then number four, outreach. Outreach is a big part of this. And so I just have to kind of pause and say, for this outreach piece, I just like, I, I'm just so thrilled with our church because uh, not just this outreach piece, but this whole campaign. Like we ask people to give like you're at the beginning of the year, and then uh, COVID happened. You guys remember that? It's still happening. And so that happened, and we're like, oh, man, like what's going to happen with this whole thing? You guys have given like crazy to these things. You guys have still given. And so I just have to applaud our people here. Like Just like Rick mentioned in Philippians 1, verse 3 to 6, uh, he mentioned it earlier, 
the, the Apostle Paul who wrote that, he was, he was thanking God for the church's partnership in the gospel. And, and I wanna just thank our church and thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Even in this area, hey, all right. Even in this area of uh, giving and, and this campaign to focus on the next generation. And we said, with outreach, we said we're gonna focus 10% of all giving to outreach, to make an impact locally and globally and honestly, we weren't sure like what was gonna happen with COVID and uh, people maybe losing income and jobs and things like that. And I'm just happy to say that like, I am having to figure out what, who to allocate this money to. And that's a good problem to have. It's like, people are still giving, this is exciting. We can help our ministries do different things. We can partner with the gospel in so many ways because this is still happening and you've all made that a priority. So thank you, thank you for that. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a little bit insight, actually a ton of insight, into how we actually play this value out. Okay, how do we seek ministry partnerships? What's, uh, who are those partners? How do we do it? This is what's happening. With Give It Away, we said, we wanna partner with people on God's heart, okay? What does God have a heart for? Well, when we were looking through the scriptures, we saw uh, a few things, and these are the three things that we said we're gonna focus on with Give It Away. We wanna help with the poor and needy, the orphan widow, and the nations. Okay, there's probably more stuff we can put there. It's just that we were just convinced that God is really into this stuff, really into justice and righteousness, especially in these areas. So for the poor and needy, where we get this from is Deuteronomy 15, 11. There's plenty other places, but it's open wide your hand to your, to, uh, your brother, to the needy, and to the poor. So we're not trying to be derogatory with like the words poor and needy. It's just what the Bible's language is. And so we're gonna help people that are in need and all those things. Orphan and widow, James 1.21, visit orphan and widows in their affliction. Okay, pretty straightforward. Like do that work. Let's do that work. And I'll show you the partners that we're um, trying to help and do that with. And then the nations, of course, Jesus is concerned. God is concerned with the nations. Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations. Help people of all nations, all people groups, come to know who Jesus is, to be a disciple of him. Okay, so in this next part, I want us to just ask the questions, who do we partner with and why? And how is that strategic? And then how could, start thinking about like, how can we as, as life groups, as a church, as families and individuals, how can we also seek partnerships in that as well? So let's double click a little further. For Poor and Needy, we have Oasis of Hope, Cups Cafe, Love Inc., Orphan and Widow, we have Safe Families, and Senyuka, Children's Ministry, The Nations, we are helping out in areas uh, with Shoulder to Shoulder in Mexico, Senyuka in Uganda, Africa, um, we're doing stuff in Saint-Alban, France, and we're gonna be starting to do stuff in Japan, okay? So there's just kind of like scope overview of what's going on and the partnerships that we as a church have. So double-clicking a little further then, let's talk about what each of these do in our partnership with them in the gospel. And so Oasis of Hope, anyone heard of Oasis of Hope before? Okay, many, hey, all right, many people. I love Oasis of Hope so much. They, man, they recently had pastors of uh, the churches they partner with come and just pray for them once a week, and so I love that, and so being able to go there and pray over the ministry and help them out in that way is so beautiful. And so what they do, they're a parenting and pregnancy support center, and I love what they're laser focused on. They're laser focused on this idea of the image of God. Has anyone heard that before, the image of God? So if you go back to Genesis and uh, many other places in the Bible, you hear this concept of like, hey, 
We are all made in the image and likeness of God. There is value in every single person. And so they preserve the sanctity of human life in their ministry. That's what they're doing. They mentor people. They show hospitality. They have some clinical things that they're able to do. They have support groups. They even have like a little blessing boutique below their, uh, in their basement. Sounds kind of creepy. It's not. It's cool. And so they have like a bunch of clothes and diapers and cribs and stuff that they're able to just freely give to those in need. And so they're doing amazing work. They're right here in Medina. And so we are partnering with them in the gospel in that way to help show people that we are made in God's image and that is a good thing. It's a good and beautiful thing. Cups Cafe, um, anybody know about Cups Cafe? Okay, right on. Uh, a lot of you, okay, yeah. We've had, uh, there's some life groups represented here who have, uh, I know have went and served at Cups Cafe. And so Cups Cafe is a community cafe for those in need um, for a hot meal and a uh, drink and uh, something, uh, someone to talk to or build relationships. And so Tim over there at the Cups Cafe, he is focused on youth and homeless. And so, yes, even right here in Medina, Ohio, there are people that are homeless, people that go without meals and food, even our youth. And so that is a, definitely a huge ministry. And we are partnering with the gospel in that way bringing mentorship, hospitality, food kind of service to people in our local community. Love, Inc. Anyone heard of Love, Inc.? You see how this is going? Okay, woo, all right, whoever's hooing, I love you, it's good. So Love, Inc. is literally like right there, right across the street, and so they're right in our backyard, front, front yard, right over there, and so Love, Inc. is love in the name of Christ. They do so much. They're such a cool ministry. We, I love partnering with them. We actually partner with them with our pastoral care stuff that we do too, but they have a focus on uh, the widows, the elderly, the needy. And so maybe some of you have heard of Love Medina, something we did uh, back in the uh, summer here and we were able to still do. We partnered with Love Inc. We partnered with the mayor of Medina. And we were able to do a bunch of service projects for people in need in our community. And so they, they, they help us with service projects to be a bridge and a, uh, to you know, uh, being in relationship with other people in our community, helping them that way. Uh, lots of hospitality there. They have a warehouse where they're like getting furniture and being able to just donate furniture to people in need. Um, they do mentorship, counseling, finances, kind of stuff like that. And so we love partnering with Love, Inc. Safe Families. Anybody heard of Safe Families? All right, okay, guys, you guys are good with this repetition. All right, so Safe Families, we just had a meeting last week um, with a lot of our partners. We're starting to do like monthly meetings and stuff where we're just trying to get people connected and involved in what's going on and the people that we're partnering with and the gospel and different things. And so last week we had about 20 people um, in person and Zoom because that's still a thing. And so we've been doing that. And Safe Families is all about like they, man, I love it. They, so they're not against foster care, but they, they help in a different way with foster care in that kind of world. They are kind of like saying, hey, foster care is a good thing, but we also have churches, okay? We have God's people who we need to mobilize to help love and support people that need that kind of support, okay? And so their whole goal is to reunite families together and help keep kids safe, and so that's what they're doing. That's their aim. And so there's ways that you can get involved. You can be a host family where you can actually bring in a child to help out so they don't have to go to foster care. In fact, um, even in the beginning of the year, we were told there was an article that the foster care system in Medina was overloaded. They couldn't even bring any more kids in. And so that's a problem. And so safe families can help out with those things. You can become a family friend, a coach, and all those things. You can learn more about that uh, anytime. Okay, and then um, 
yeah, this is, uh, so this isn't their lo logo. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't judge them on these logos. This is like a good old uh, Google click and drag, so they're a little blurry. But uh, we also partner with other different ministries as well. And so these ministries, they're not 100% uh, Christian-focused ministries, and that's okay. We have strategic partners to do different things in our community. So yeah, we partner with Medina Co County Job and Family Services and others that I can talk about as well. And we've actually been able to, if you guys remember, we've done five and change. We've developed these birthday boxes before to um, be able to give uh, a birthday present to kids who maybe wouldn't have their birthday celebrated. We sent thousands of dollars their way. You all have sent thousands of dollars their way to help support the efforts of loving children in our community that really need it. And so that's a good thing. We also partner with the entire city of Medina, just in general. I don't know, that, for me, that's like representing, like we have a good relationship with the mayor, so that's cool. So that's why that's there. And so Mayor Hanwell, he's awesome. He actually, he's actually a follower of Jesus, and so we're able to do some really cool stuff with him, and I just love our partnership there. And so, yeah, we're gonna partner with people in our community that both are uh, blatantly following Jesus and people that aren't, because that's strategic, and that's a good thing for us to do. Let me talk about, for a second, like addressing like limited partnerships too, because I know I've gotten a lot of response from people like, um, like people are passionate about things and that is such a good thing. And so I have people who email me saying like, hey Steve, like we gotta do this thing. Like this is the main thing. And I'm like, that thing sounds awesome. And so I, <laughs> it's so challenging because maybe you're here, you're looking at these partners that we partner with and you're like, man, that's a lot. Like how are we doing all of that? Okay, so some of you are maybe thinking that. It kind of paralyzes you. You're like, I don't know what to do. I want to serve. I want to help out in this area. I just don't know what to do. Other people might be like, we're not doing enough. And I agree. I agree with both those statements. And it's like, like we said before in our Amos series and other things, that we can't do everything. We can't do nothing. We got to do something. Okay, so there are plenty of great partnerships that I would like for us to have. We just can't be invested in so much at the same time. And so, man, it's a, it's a tricky thing. There's many other places that I would just love to put on this board that I'm like, I know a lot of you are invested in and partnering in the gospel with. Places like, well, I'll just talk about one that I help lead for a second, okay? Me and a couple guys here at the church, we help lead something called Forge Gaming, okay? And so, <laughs> whoa, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, all right, so just real quick, like this is, this is just like, like people doing stuff. So like we <laughs> meet a couple guys, we start a not-for-profit called Forge Gaming and we reach out to gamers. And so we, that's right, we play video games so we can tell people about Jesus. So whatever you think about me now, I don't know, but uh, there you go. So take that or leave it. Um, all that to say, like there's plenty of ministries that maybe not be on this board, but we would love to partner with. We would love for you to partner with and we're glad that you do. Okay, so how can you get connected? Oh, just kidding. We forgot, I forgot about global. There's a whole nother world, okay? So here's global stuff that I want to talk to you about. Um, so if you're looking at this and you see reached versus unreached, let me just talk about that for a second, okay? Because that's going to be important here in a little bit. So in the missions world, um, we kind of break up things in, in different categories. So you have reached people groups, which is if your region and your, the people in that region are above two, like more than 2% of the people in that region know or follow Jesus, then you're considered a reached people group. Okay, so you're considered an unreached people group if less than 2% of that population is not Christian. Okay, make sense? You guys following? 
All right, so with reach people groups, and, and you'll see there's some various different works that we do there. With reach people groups, we do stuff in Mexico with shoulder to shoulder, okay? And so um, they're 10% reached, and they do a lot of stuff with church partnerships, building projects, and this is funny. I, I meant to fix this last night. I didn't get to it. It says kids' tests. We don't do tests in Mexico. It's supposed to be kids' fests, okay? It's way funner. We don't, like, go there and, like, test kids, whatever that is, uh, typo. Uh, we do kids' fest, which is what's happening in that picture, okay? So we'll do, like, uh, kind of like a Bible camp kind of thing where we'll, um, uh, we'll share the gospel with kids and we'll give them candy and play games and stuff like that, and that's a good outreach. We do a bunch of widow care, um, Bible distribution, uh, delivering food and clothes and stuff like that. Just a quick note about Mexico. They've had to pivot their ministry a ton. Mostly with most of our global partners, they've had to pivot their ministry a ton because a lot of these partners rely on groups coming to uh, their, their, their place and helping both financially and with labor to get some work done and to help with outreach and partnership with the churches. And obviously with COVID, that stopped, okay? So give you a little bit of insight on Mexico, they, like their staff had to cut their pay in, by 50%. And so they're running off of that. And so I tell you that because a couple of different reasons. I love our ministry partners, and you'll hear this from all of them. When I talk to John Reeser, who is our ministry partner in Shoulder to Shoulder Mexico, I'm like, John, what's the one thing that our church can be praying for? What's the one thing that you need right now in this season? I just talked to him last week, and, and it's always the same thing. And for me, I'm like, he could probably say money. And I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try to work on this. We'll, we'll help you in any way we can. But they always say, we need more people. <laughs> we just, we need more people. The money will figure itself out. We need more people that are dedicated to the people of Mexico, that are helping with the church in Mexico, that are willing to come and help alongside with the church, build homes for widows and things that they're doing, to distribute these thousands of pounds of food that they're distributing in the season because they had to pivot their ministry. They're like, we need more people. We need the hearts of people to be about the mission of Jesus in this area. I love it. Okay, let's talk about San Yuca. You guys know San Yuca? You guys have, okay, yes, all right. So, <laughs> I love it. Um, we, had, um, we had them here last year for six months, and so we had um, like 15 of the kids from San Yuca out of the 60 plus kids that are in their care. San Yuca is an orphanage ministry in Uganda, Africa, and so um, we love partnering with them. The gospel's doing decently well there. Um, we're able to meet a bunch of them. A lot of you have uh, sponsored um, a lot of these kids in uh, Uganda, so thank you. Thank you for your sponsorship and all of that to, give, to provide education, food, shelter, and discipleship to these kids. I love it, and they do all those kind of things. We're they're working on getting a farm right now and building some stuff, and so we're gonna have some cool go teams coming up pretty soon to go and help them out with all that. All right, unreached. So uh, I know what happens. Whenever I talk about these ones, I get a couple different responses, all right? When I tell people like, yeah, we're doing stuff in France, okay? Some people look at me, they're like, wait a minute. You guys are going to France? You guys are like, you guys are like taking a Christian vacation, calling it a mission trip. You're going to France. You're like drinking wine and eating cheese with people. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of what we're doing. And that's what we're doing for a reason, okay? So here's where that unreached part is important because the work is just a little bit different in France. Where in France, we don't, um, we could probably do this, but it's less the ability to go there and like build a thing and use that to be a bridge for sharing the gospel with people, okay? It's less that. 
when we go there, we have to build relationships. It's not that you don't do that in these other places, but it's just different work. Less and less people have heard about Jesus. There's few churches and there's few believers in these places. And so we're gonna focus on youth outreach. We're gonna focus a lot on evangelism, sharing the gospel with others, and refugee outreach. They're just like five minutes away from the chateau, which is the ministry here. Everyone say chateau. Chateau, okay, now we're speaking French. This just means castle, okay? And so uh, at the castle, um, just five minutes away from there is this refugee outreach um, place that we go to. It's like a, a um, it's like five or six hotels combined, and they're all refugees. And so we, we built a ton of relationships there and done some work there. And uh, as much as we can, there's only a few churches in France. We try to partner with them in doing stuff. And we need, again, um, with Ethan, the guy who runs that, we're like, Ethan, what do you need, man? I know you probably need some money because you guys are hurting. You guys don't have teams coming. He's like, man, we need more people. <laughs> we need people who are invested in helping the people of France come to know Jesus. That's what we need more than anything else. And then Japan. Japan's the other one that we're partnering with as well. We're just starting communications there. There's even less followers there. We are, uh, the missionaries there, Matt, he's trying to set up this business as mission kind of thing where he's trying to start a coffee shop in Osaka to teach English through the Bible and share the gospel with people. And so that's what he's working for. He's trying to do some church planning and things like that. And the one thing that really gets me sad about Japan is it's really hard work. It's really hard work, and the work is needed. The, the suicide rate is crazy. The churches there are limited. There's not many Christians. Um, our missionary out there, Matt, um, who we started talking with, he's like, yeah, it took me 10 years to get here. And it's like, well, why does it take so long? That's kind of a long time. Well, the language is hard. It's expensive to live in Japan. So he's like, trying to raise $150,000 to go to Japan, most churches don't want to do that for you. Like, and don't hear me out. Don't hear me wrong here, but what Matt has to say is like, it's easy to get up in front of a church looking for support and help and sending people when you're talking about some other places, maybe like Mexico or in Africa, because the way that we view it. Matt's like, hey, it's easy to tell people like, hey, we need to help orphan children in Africa. It's easy people get to get signed up for that. It's a lot harder, Matt says, to get people to say, hey, we're going to go to Japan and I don't know what's going to happen. We're gonna try to share the gospel with people who are gonna reject us and reject us and it's gonna take a lot of time and a lot of effort and I don't know if I can give you a weekly report on the things that we've actually done. And so he's like, man, it's hard to get people to, to give to that. It's hard to get people to come out to that. And he's like, the people that come, they just, they just like Japanese culture. They don't care about the people and that's what we need. We need people that care about the people and can support that. Okay, everyone tracking? Okay, we finished up on uh, our give it away partners and things like that. This is what we're doing tangibly and practically as a church to seek ministry partnerships. And here's how you can get involved. You, you guys have probably already seen some of these things, but these are all like catchers of ministry. And here's what I mean by that. We do five and change because we're trying to mobilize our people. Okay, we're trying to make uh, an impact in our community and our world through different things. We're like, hey, uh, once every other couple months, uh, can you give some money, like $5 and some change to make a change in our world? And could you help me do that? Could, you, could we do that together? And the real hope for that is that, okay, you might give, you might learn something new about a partner or a ministry. The real hope is that maybe some of you will have a heart for what's going on. And you're like, man, I need to serve. I need to help in that area. Foster care stuff, I need to be part of that. 
Safe families, I'm gonna be part of that. Oh, you guys are doing what for the schools? We need to help pray and be part of that. Same with praying for your three. You wanna mobilize people to pray for three people they don't know Jesus. And then go teams. These were 2020 go teams that didn't happen, um, but that's okay. We're gonna get those started again. But the whole purpose of go teams isn't just like, hey guys, you've never been on a mission trip before, you should do it, it's real fun. We should just go, just go. We're gonna have a week together. We're gonna do some hard work, but it's gonna be really fun, okay? That, that, that's not the goal. The goal is to partner in the gospel with people who need it. The goal is to get out and go to places like Mexico and France and say, we are here to serve you. And then hopefully, some people out of those teams will say, man, I have a heart for the people in France and I just gotta go. And maybe you would commit your life to going and being a missionary there. And so those are ways to get connected. And just real quick about Go Teams. Um, I know I've had this question before, but we're, we're still planning uh, for our Mexico Go Team in March. And so that's coming up soon. A lot of you are just ready to go. Some of you aren't ready to go yet, but I'm hoping that as soon as we can, I don't know when, because things are still weird, but as soon as we can, I wanna get as many teams and trips as we can at these places as we can. And some of you have asked the question, well, what about COVID? What about these things? What about, okay, I gotta quarantine, I gotta do this. And I don't wanna be too insensitive here, but I'm, the, the question, I don't usually say this, maybe I should, well, I'm saying it now, but the question I usually have in my head is like, well, right, but what about people's salvation? What about getting the gospel out? Again, hear me right here. COVID's nasty, it's real, it's killing people for sure. But on the contrary, if we're just worried about that, let's be worried about the millions of people who will go and never hear about Jesus. Let's worry about that and let's go and do something about it. And that's why we, maybe you can't go and that's fine. That's why we say, how can you pray, give, or go? Everyone can pray for these ministries. Some of you can give and some of you can go. So let's do that. All right, well, in closing, I'm gonna invite the band up. So you know it's official. We're wrapping this thing up, okay? It's official when you invite the band up. Um, I hope that you get the heart of and the value of the vision of this value. I hope you get the heart of Jesus and the vision of Jesus and his mission in this value. Why would we actively seek ministry partnerships? Well, it's because there's a huge problem in our world that only a small percentage of people have actually acknowledged. The huge problem isn't that we are self-absorbed, opinionated people that find ways to be divided and create this side versus that side mentalities. That's a problem, but it's not the huge problem. The huge problem isn't even that people, uh, that, that babies are getting aborted and that people go hungry and homeless. Those are huge problems. That's why we partner with Oasis and Cups and other people to mitigate those things. But there's a deeper problem. It's a problem that we all have, and Romans talks about it. It says right here, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The problem is that we don't have a relationship with Jesus, that many people, millions of people, don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so the heart and vision for this value is that more people would come to know Jesus, to hear and receive the invitation to be a follower and disciple of him, to acknowledge the problem and the real problem that we have. And so I don't know about you, but 
When I read Mark 9, I told you there was some weird, interesting stuff in there. I keep thinking about that demon part. Anybody else was like stuck on that? Like, that's weird. I want to talk about that. I don't know why we all, like, people just want to talk about weird stuff, but I'm into that. I'm into talking about weird stuff. And so we could talk more fully about that because I was like, man, can I address some potential questions that we might have? And I was like, well, thankfully, I don't have time. So that's a way to go around that. But it's also not the main point of the passage, right? It's kind of a side point. But I do want to make one stretch of a connection. There's a little Christian cheese here. You guys ready? Okay, a little bit of cheesy, a little bit of stretch of a connection. Okay, so hear me out. Anyone familiar with the term like facing your demons? Anybody? Yeah? Okay, great. So I, <laughs> I don't know why this came to me. This is like insight into my weird world, Steve. Okay, you guys are coming into my, my world right now. Right? I was Googling this. I was like, I just want to Google this. Like I was thinking about this demon thing and I was like, I shouldn't talk about the demon thing. And then I was like, I'm just going to Google it. I was like, oh man, facing your demons. That's a thing that people say, right? And so here's, <laughs> I Googled this. No joke. I was just like, this is like number 10 on the Google. And so you know it's legit, like when it's way down at the bottom and some random website, I was like, what does it mean to like face your demons? And so just Betty here with the, the Sailor Moon avatar, It's a featured answer, so you know it's legit. She had three likes, so it's legit. But she says this, um, when someone says they face their demons, it's a way to express they finally acknowledge their problem they've been having. I'm like, okay, that's a good definition. When someone says they face their demons, it's a way to express that they finally acknowledged the problem that they've been having, okay? And so... um, Here's the interesting connection. I don't mean to downplay spiritual warfare or anything like that because it's real, Um, but hopefully you get the point that we seek partnerships in the gospel because we desire more and more people to acknowledge the real problem and find the real solution. What's the real problem? It's that people don't follow after Jesus. It's that all have fallen short and sinned against God and all those things. And so Romans again says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still disconnected from him, while we were still didn't give a rip about Jesus or God, he died for us. So here's a question for us. Who is going to share this problem and this solution to the people in our neighborhood? Well, hopefully it's us living in the neighborhood. We're gonna partner in the gospel in that way. Who's gonna share this problem and solution to people in France? They need to hear it. Hopefully it's us in our church as we pray, as we give, as we go and be part of this partnership and this ministry. And I can go on to say that same question for all of our partners and much more. So that's the question. Because the more partnerships in the gospel there are, the more that we can uh, be part of sharing the message with more people and help get more people to see who Jesus is and have a relationship with him who loves us who died for us, and who raised again to make this all worth it. So let's get after that, and let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your, your vision in this, that we, yeah, that we should seek ministry partnerships, Lord. God, I know it's just like a value that we have at Grace Church, but I think it's super biblical that we see that throughout your scriptures, that, Lord, so often it, it's easy to kind of have like a, 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 an us versus them mentality to say, oh man, we're doing things right at Grace Church, but man, we need to partner with others in the gospel. We need that on an individual level. We need that on a church level. So God, as we do that, as we try to do that with all the ministry partners that we just talked about, Lord, would you equip us? Would you show us how to partner in the gospel in these ways so that more and more people can understand the problem that we all have 
and the solution that we need in you, Christ. God, would you mobilize your church and your people to that end? And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.